Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Vineyard Community Church as we uh, are going to continue on in a series we're doing called Naturally Supernatural. We're seven weeks into this series, and um, we're looking at Jesus as our model for life and ministry uh, and, and looking at encounters that he had throughout the book of John in, in, in learning how he dealt with people and how he related to people and how, um, with the resources of the Word and prayer and the Holy Spirit, he was able to minister to so many folks and change the world. Before we dig right in, though, last week we had our back-to-school prayer weekend, and so I, I dug uh, around and found some jokes that I thought would be fitting for the school children that were here, and I, I used some elephant jokes, and people sort of been giving me a hard time about the elephant jokes. So I thought I would um, give you the jokes, the elephant jokes that I didn't use, so you can see I was really trying to give you my best material last week. So what's the difference between an elephant and a flea? An elephant can have fleas. But a flea can't have elephants. So I told you I gave you the best stuff last week. How do you get down from an elephant? You don't get down from an elephant. You get down from a goose. No? <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you give an elephant with diarrhea? Lots of room... <laughs> See, I didn't think that might be appropriate for church, though. I decided not to use it in church. <laughs> okay. So, uh, in this series of being naturally supernatural, we're, we're looking at what Jesus did, because we understand that what he's told us was, is that we're to do what he did. We, we have scripture for that. And we've said to sort of... Um, to look at that, we need to see like he saw and think like he thought and serve like he served and love like he loved. And so we've been digging into these encounters in the book of John to see just that. And we looked at an encounter back in John 3 with Nicodemus and we saw how Jesus ministered to him, who was this very sort of um, religious um, uh, political leader. Um, but was kind of filled with himself and needed to see that that wasn't going to get it. And, and Jesus shows him grace in that way. And then in John 4, we, we saw his encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and how what she needed to know was her value in the Lord, that he wanted her as a worshiper so that she would come uh, into relationship with him. We, we looked at an encounter in John 5 with the, the invalid at the pool of Bethesda and how Jesus ministered to him and how cool it was that Jesus even saw him because like nobody had seen him for years. And, uh, and, but that's the way he looks. And then in John 6, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and we saw Jesus ministering not only to his disciples but to the bigger crowd, but really trying to develop in his disciples a heart of compassion that they needed to see beyond their own need and see the needs of the, of the crowd. And we, we developed that. Last week, we looked at the encounter that, uh, in John 8 that, John, uh, that Jesus has with a, a woman caught in adultery. And we, we talked again about the importance of seeing the beauty of people's potential and being a people of mercy and grace as we walk out this naturally supernatural life. Today, we're going to look at an encounter Jesus has with a man born blind in John chapter 9. So the scripture reading today is John 9, 1 through 3. This is out of the message paraphrase. I just like the way it's rendered in the paraphrase. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? And Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. 
you're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So we're going to look at this encounter today um, in John 9. Uh, Jesus has with this man born blind. We're going to see how Jesus ministers to him. Um, uh, we're going to see in action again concepts we talked about last week. The light of grace and the darkness of legalism. We're going to see... Um, uh, how the established religious community reacts to Jesus' movement into this man's life. And we're going to deal with uh, some pretty heavy questions that we need to deal with along the way. So, so let's hop right in here and into the first point. And the very first point uh, is uh, stinking thinking. I borrowed that. I, I can't say that I made that up. But um, stinking thinking impacts all of us. Uh, we've got some pretty bad thought patterns in our lives. John 9, 1 and 2, uh, this time in the NIV. It says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, that's a, uh, a pretty interesting question. Um, and you have to get some context to sort of understand why they would even ask that question. See, the, the, the established religious community at the time believed that those who do right will be rewarded and those who do wrong will be punished. And therefore it followed from that formula that any personal disasters were evidence of sin. Conversely, prosperity was a sign of God's approval. So that's what the disciples, that's their paradigm when they approach Jesus with this question. Um, you know, how come this, this man was born Blind, and, and they're left with only those two choices. Was it his sin, or was it his parents' sin? See, there has to be somewhere in that type of thinking to put the blame. And that type of, of thinking still impacts most of us today. And in order to become naturally supernatural people, we have to deal with some big questions in life. Um, questions like, why do bad things happen? How does a God who claims to be good allow evil in the world? Why doesn't he do something? Um, we've got to be able to handle these questions because we're going to be dealing with people who have those questions. And um, uh, we need to be able to speak with them on those issues. I really like the scripture reading today um, in that verse in the message because it, it talks about looking for cause and effect. And, and that's part of the problem, this, this sort of stinking thinking that we still have today. Um, the way it impacts us today, we tend to be performance-oriented. And, and it's similar to what was going on back then. And the performance is this. Look, if I do good, then good things should happen. And, and if I'm basically a good person, then I shouldn't have to deal with tragedies and hardship and pain or suffering. And, and see, the, the, the thing is... There's a measure of truth in that. And, and if I'm really trying to live by doing the next right thing, which we talk about all the time, um, then, then I would submit to you that, that good things are more likely, but they're not guaranteed. And the reason for that is, is that we live in a fallen world on a broken planet, and things are not perfect. God created them perfect, but sin entered the world and messed it all up. And that is not God's fault. It's our fault. See, 
God wanted people to be able to choose to worship and love Him, so He gave us all free will right from the very beginning. And with that free will, we have all chosen to sin, just like Adam and Eve, who had perfection and still wanted more. And see, that's the, the bottom line issue. And, and what happens now is, is that we want to live these pain-free, sort of white picket fence lives. And because of our performance orientation, we think that by being good, that, that's really what ought to happen now. And yet, pain-free is not one of the right now promises. When you read the book, it's Revelation 21.4, is the promise that says, no more pain but it's down the road. It's still here. Because it's a fallen world. It's a broken planet. And see, our motivation for living by doing the next right thing can't be all about immediate rewards and pain-free living. Because when it is, when that's our focus, we spend time being angry at God because things aren't going the way that we want. And instead of being thankful for what we have, we get consumed by what we don't have. And, and the prayer that we're taught, not my will but yours be done, is easy to say. But it's a lot harder to work out and walk out in our lives. See, our motivation for living by doing the next right thing, it's a love response to what God has already done at the cross. He's given us a future and a hope. He's already given us the very best in eternal life. And, and from that motivation... Um, we can move then from our own selfishness and begin to see things differently. Um, we can even begin at some level to see how God takes those really hard situations that we don't like and ultimately turns them around and uses them. So we can sing songs like we sang today. Because you make all things work for my good, work together for my good. I mean, that's a, it's really an amazing statement when you think about it. Because he... It's all things. That, that God actually takes all things, even the hardest and most difficult situations in our lives, and, and He can turn them around. And, and sometimes we can see how, how, you know, and then He uses them, and He uses them to help others all the time, and He uses all those things. But see, it's a, it's a pretty big thought process change that has to happen. Um, because we get stuck. And, and if we're stuck in that stinking thinking, then, then whenever bad things happen... Um, just because we live in a fallen world, we start looking to blame. And so, so we either blame him, or we start beating ourselves up thinking there's something that we shouldn't be doing, or there's something going on uh, that shouldn't. And then sometimes uh, cer certain people, when you have situations in your life, will start to blame you. Um, and even sometimes well-meaning people, because of the way they, they believe some of this stuff, they'll say, well, you must have some sin in your life. You know, you know, if God's blessings are conditional on being sin-free, none of us can receive them. Because I don't know anybody that's sin-free. And that's the bottom line. And, and we're all struggling. You know, maybe we got some of the big stuff gone, but there's lots of little stuff that's not finished. And so, so um, we need to be really careful that we don't become like this and start looking at people in situations and... Um, and blaming them for them. So that's what happens. Ultimately, when they see the man born blind, they blame him or his parents. And, and they're looking to place the blame. And they say, so whose fault was it? Was it his or his parents? And we're going to deal with people in all sorts of situations. And if you, you want to be naturally supernatural, you can't start 
when our thoughts are, well, you're that way because of this, then, then we end up getting in trouble pretty quick. We don't always know what they are. And, and so we, we need to look at Jesus and see what happened. And, you know, those big questions, why do bad things happen? Sin entered the world. Our fault, not God's. That's, that's that question. How does a God who claimed to be good allow evil in the world? The free will he gave us can't be suspended. It's, it's again, it comes back to our sin uh, in the process. And if he just suspends free will all of a sudden, then um, it's, so he does it. And, and there's things that are going on. Why doesn't he do something about it? Well, he has. He went to the cross. See, that's, that's ultimately the answer. Where was God when that horrible tragedy was happening? He was at the cross. Does it make everything better? Not right at the moment. Ultimately, yeah, for people that believe it and receive it. But, but that's where God was. You know, I have people come and tell me horrible things that happened to them, and they say, where was God when this was happening to me? And, and all I can ever say is, look, he was on the cross. That's, that's what he did. And, and the promises are, are coming. There's breakthroughs now, but the, the, the best is yet to come. And we don't get white picket fence, pain-free living here. It's not promised. It's really not. It's, we get tastes all the time, which is cool. But all that lies ahead. For now, really what we're called to is to get out there and tell people that they have a shot too. And that you would think, well then, well, if I'm doing that, why isn't everything going well? Ask the Apostle Paul. Those of you that have been with me during the week, week after week after week, looking into the Apostle Paul's life, who was out, I mean... Given everything for God. And, and you can't imagine how many bad things happened to this guy. Shipwrecked, three times, beaten, stoned, flogged, hungry, stripped. And that's doing God's stuff. The, the whole last chunk of the book of Acts, the poor guy was in prison for not doing anything wrong. And, and so we have to balance that into our thinking. See, it, it, it's, uh, we keep doing the best that we can because... We, because He's given us the very best. We've got eternal life. We have, the, we have a hope and a future. We've got the best that's going to be. We get tastes of it now, and it's, it's, it's cool to serve the Lord and to watch Him at work in our lives. But, but there's no absolute, guarantee, pain-free life right now. It's just not. It's a promise. Revelation 21.4. You can go read it. It's one of my favorite promises. Then the old order of things will be wiped away, and there'll be no more crying or tears or pain. I mean, that's... Good stuff. So, so we have to have some breakthroughs in our thought process uh, in order to really start thinking and seeing more like Jesus to live in a naturally supernatural way. So, so see, Jesus sees this guy and he doesn't, he's not stuck in that paradigm. And, and I like it. It says, too, that um, guess Jesus saw him. Now, we, we talked last time about the light of the world and uh, in opposition to the darkness that exists in, in what was there. And, and so these, this whole process is kind of relating to being able to see and not being able to see. John 9, 3 through 5. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. See, he's... He's telling these guys, now look, there's a whole new deal. This is a new deal. You've got to start 
letting go of some of this mess that you're in and seeing things the way you've seen them, you've got to see it now in, as, as the light, with the light shining on people, the light of grace entering into the situation. And, and um, this encounter has some very similar sort of uh, things happening with the one that we just did in John 8, as far as grace and legalism being together and, and seeing them very apparently in the stories. And so... Um, Jesus, the light of the world, sees this man born blind, ministers to him. And that's what the light of grace does. It sees people in need, it loves them, doesn't judge them, and teaches and and reaches out to them in naturally supernatural ways. That's the light of grace. That was the second point, by the way. came up there a little late. And and I was just going for it, so... Um, see, See, that's what happens... In the process. Uh, and, and we have to understand that the light of grace then sees people in need. Doesn't look at immediate cause and effect and, and try and judge them. So that's why this whole labeling thing is an issue. So you label something and then you, you toss blame. You, um, <laughs> when you start talking to people, you will find out um, that there's always a lot more to them than you think on the surface. Now, now some people are stuck, and I, I get that. And, and you know, there's, there's uh, some people don't really want much help, um, or, or, they, or let me just put it this way: they really don't want help to change, and that's a little different. But we can't assume that automatically when we meet people. That's why I like Jesus' question: Do you really want to get well? Very valid question. When you meet with someone, if you don't judge them right off the bat, you can say, "Well, do you really want to get well?" And and then, then that sort of opens up all sorts of options. But the answer might be no. And that's okay too. But see, unless we have the light of grace, unless we're seeing and thinking differently, we can't even get to the question. Um, and and so, so the light of grace sees, opens up, sees, like Jesus does, sees people in need, doesn't judge them, decides to love them unconditionally, because that's how we're loved, and then reaches out to them in naturally supernatural ways. This one is particularly amazing. Verse, uh, point number three, John 9, uh, naturally supernatural. John 9, 6, and 7. I love this um, part of the story. It says this. Having said this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing See, now, I think that's cool. What could be more natural than making a little mud cake with your spit <laughs> and seeing that usher in the supernatural? See, uh, now, let me also say this. Um, before you use spit in your prayer process, you better be really sure that's God talking to you, okay? And you'll know that Jesus doesn't spit on everybody that he prays for. He doesn't, you know, almost every healing that Jesus does is different. Do you know why? He doesn't want you to get in some sort of formula. See, if he spit on everybody, guess what we'd all be doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> it wouldn't go very well, would it? I, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, and so, so I'm not, I'm just saying, Jesus, fully God, fully man, spits on the ground. Make some mud and sticks it on this guy's eye. That's a very natural thing. I mean, it, it doesn't seem natural, but you get what I mean. It's a, it's a, this naturally supernatural act. See, sometimes God will just use what you got. 
And you, and you need to be aware of that and, and look for that. And, and it's not always this, this big thing. Um, but, but big things can happen. See, and, and it certainly does. And so, you know, I just think it's, it demonstrates to me our need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the resources we have, right? Prayer, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. We nearly lead, lead to listen for the Holy Spirit in our encounters every time. We can't make a formula. And we, we like a formula. See, if we, if we meet someone and we've had some success in the past doing a certain thing, then we almost always try and do that every time because we think we've, we stumbled onto it. You know, I mean, like... Uh, pray for someone and have success, go back and think what you did before you did it. Well, you know, I had a Diet Coke and a bag of chips, so every time I'm going to pray for someone now, I need a Diet Coke and a bag of chips because that's what works. Um, it doesn't. Every time is different. So, so we've got to be tuned in. Well, we can't be naturally supernatural. We've got to be listening in every encounter for what God wants us to do. So, so I love that, 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 this very neat story. The Pharisees, however just like last week, demonstrate once again the darkness of legalism. And what the darkness of legalism ultimately causes is the fourth point. It's spiritual blindness. It causes us to be spiritually blind, to not be able to see the things of God and yet believe that we're absolutely standing on, on the right path. Um, because we, we just get so narrow and stuck in our own little box that, that we can't see God at work. And so that's what happens to the, to the Pharisees. John 9, 13 through 16. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my, my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Like, what else? Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided initially. Here's what amazes me. The, 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 see, the people that are representing God, supposedly, have this man who's been born blind brought to them and he now sees. And their initial reaction is not to rejoice. I mean, that, shouldn't that be what it is? Hallelujah! You can see what happened. All they got, what they really get upset about with, is that, it, again, it happened on the Sabbath. It happened on the Sabbath. Now, we know from the healing of the Pool of Bethesda that, that, God, that the, the Pharisees were not very pleased about that action. But there's something else that Jesus does that makes them mad. You know what? Making mud was a violation of the law. I don't know if you knew that. I'm serious. Having anything to do with clay or anything on the Sabbath was a violation of the law. So he, he, he did two things on the Sabbath that he shouldn't have done. Made mud, and then this guy was healed. So there... They can, this, you talk about being spiritually blind. That's the story. Here's this guy who was blind, but now sees. They're looking at him, and, and they can see that he sees, and yet they can't see. They refuse to see that it's God at work. And, and initially they're divided. There's some guys saying, Really? But they, they get won over pretty quick because of the, the power of the rest of them. And so they, they bring this guy back again. They, they've sent him away once. And they, they, now they're, they're getting... And they, John 9, 24 and 25. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Now that's what they've decided Jesus is. A sinner. Okay? So, so because he made mud, 
and healed this guy on the Sabbath. And that's the second time on a Sabbath he's healed someone uh, in the process. He replied, this is the guy who'd been seen, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And, and he's getting it. Like, he's, he knows it was God. He knows. And he can't believe that the, this established religious community is fighting with him over it. And, and they're so blind, they, they just don't care about this person. See, remember we talked about that last week? They stopped, legalism just stops caring about people altogether. They didn't care about this guy and that he'd been healed. They just could care less. They never saw this guy. They, Jesus saw him. And I love that. Jesus always looking at one more. See, going around and just dealing with one more all the time. He cares so much. The, the creator of everything sees one more. Here's this whole community of people that don't want anything to do with this guy. John 39, 33, and 34. This is the guy talking again that got healed. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, the Pharisees, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Nice reaction from the religious community, huh? <laughs> Who are you to talk to us? You were blind at birth. That means you were steeped in sin. What? You can't even begin to talk to us. We don't want to hear anything from you. Get out. And, and see... It's statements like that, though, that have kind of impacted the church in a lot of ways and caused us to lose our credibility. We stopped being naturally supernatural. We stopped loving well. And, and we started to act just like this. And we can't. We've got to stop. We've got to change. So in order to be naturally supernatural, to do what he did, again, we've got to really work on seeing like he saw, thinking like he saw, uh, thought, serving like he served, and loving like he loved. And that's how we're going to get to make a difference in the world around us. And, and that's when the things are really going to start happening. When you love people and you pray for them, the power that gets released there is awesome. And, and like I said, no spitting on people unless you're really sure. It better work. <laughs> that's the standard. <laughs> you spit on somebody, healing better take place. <laughs> All right. That's what it means, and that's what it looks like to be naturally supernatural. We'll pick it up from there next week. Thank you. If you're watching by video or on TV, God bless you. If you need anything, call us, write us, and uh, we'll do whatever we can to uh, be with you or pray for you. But we're going to go ahead and close with prayer here tonight, and you can uh, turn off the video upstairs whenever you're ready. Let's pray.